thankful for our kids, love them, and glad that we've got some good people working with them. I want to invite you to your Bibles to the book of Judges, chapters 6, 7, and 8. We're going to look at Judges, chapters 6, 7, and 8. It's on the pew, in the Pew Bible right in front of you on page 194, if you want to follow along, page 194. A lot of us like underdog stories, don't you? You like it where the, the person who is not expected to do well uh, to, wins and, 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 and beats the, 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 the big the big favored uh, opponent. A lot of times it's during the, the basketball tournament and March Madness, and they call it the Cinderella story. And we just sometimes, I just like to root for, for the underdog and, and anybody who plays the Yankees and the Cardinals. <laughs> but a lot of times we like to, to root for that. I found out this interesting fact too, that the Cubs won more games in October than the Cardinals did this year. You came to church to hear that, right? I'm only, there's like two Cubs fans. Uh, I think the Cubs won two games and the Cardinals won, or Cubs won three and the Cubs, however, three and two, however it works out. I'm trying my best here, folks. <laughs> Let's start over. Um, yesterday, I was at a band competition with my, with my kids, uh, with, watching my son Walker play. He was up at Macomb University, Western University, Western Illinois University. Is it going to be one of those days already? All right, so let's pray, and then I'm going to start the sermon, not all over, but we're going to get going again. Father in heaven, we just pray for your spirit to lead. I pray that you would remove any obstacles so that people would hear your truth proclaimed loud and clear. Help us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I was sitting up in Macomb yesterday afternoon. I was watching the bands compete. And one of the bands I noticed, it was a small school band, kind of like our school, smaller, and I noticed the saxophone player was out of step because I like to watch him and see who's in step and who's not. And I noticed that this one player, this kid was kind of getting bounced back and forth and he was just kind of all over the place. And then I started looking closer and I figured out what was going on. This boy had Down syndrome. And he was in his high school band. Full uniform, hat, feathery thing on top, saxophone, bright, and just proud. And I thought to myself, I would want my kid to go to that high school where a boy with Down syndrome is welcome to compete at the University of Western Illinois for their marching band. I just thought it was, it was just captured my attention seeing someone like an underdog that many people would just say, well, you can't do this. And they're like, no, you can come here and play in our band. It was beautiful. And so we're going to look at one of those underdog-type stories in Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8. His name is Gideon. Maybe you've heard the story of Gideon. But if I'm a betting man, you haven't heard the whole story of Gideon. His name actually means hacker. Hacker, like someone who hacks stuff up or cuts rock up. It's almost like a strong name, and he's going to hack some things up in his life, but he really comes at us as an underdog story. And in our time together, I want to highlight four different worship scenes in Gideon's life. And so there's going to be four pictures of worship that we're going to see in Gideon's life as we seek to trust God more. Are you ready? I just really want to read the Bible to you today. 
Because I think some of these stories, we just haven't heard much. Or if we have, it's been a long time. So in Judges chapter 6, verse 1, it's again on page 195 in the Bible in front of you. It says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. An impressive army. We've seen this story, if you've been with us through our study in Judges, several times. The people do, they make, they sin, they do evil in the eyes of the Lord. There's an army that comes and captures them, oppression. They will eventually cry out to God with some type of repentance, and God brings them a a savior, someone to rescue them. And so we've got the sin already. We see the oppression. You go down to verse 6. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So there's some type of measure of repentance saying, okay, God, we need your help. Verse 7, Judges chapter 6. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. And the prophet basically says, hey, I brought you up out of Egypt. I rescued you. I delivered you. Verse 10, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. God's people were not doing the right thing, and they were not listening to God. Verse 11, we get our first worship scene. It's this picture of the angel of the Lord. Some people even think that this could be Jesus. But there's this angel of the Lord. There's some divine person coming that represents God. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon. Gideon is threshing wheat in the wine press, which if you've ever threshed wheat, you don't thresh wheat where you trump grapes. You, get, you need some wind to get the, the, the wheat and the chaff to blow away. And so he is doing it under the, under the cover of this wine press because he's afraid of the Midianites because they are taking everything. They're ravaging their land. They're ruining their crops. They're stealing their sheep and their cattle. They're described as swarms of locusts. So he's trying to save his, his wheat. So he's threshing it, trying to protect himself and his crop from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord greets Gideon, and he says it in verse 12, Judges chapter 6. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. How would you like that description? How would you like that greeting? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That sounds pretty cool. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that, but thanks. It sounds cool. Gideon's response is not so much. It's typical of many people that God you know, calls out and they're like, uh, I don't, not so sure, not so fast, God. But he, he says in verse 13, pardon me, Lord, but why has all this bad stuff happened to us? Where are all the wonders our ancestors told us? Did they not tell us how God brought them up out of Egypt? But it seems like God has abandoned us. You say the Lord is with us? I'm not so sure I can even see God. And then he says... And I'm like, our clan is like the weakest in the 12 tribes, and our family is the least in all of those. Mighty warrior. And the angel of the Lord says in verse 16, The Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down all those Midianites, leaving none alive. And so this first worship scene, he's got this angel of the Lord Greetings, mighty warrior, Lord is with you. I'm not so sure. But then he's like, hey, I think you might be someone special. Will you just wait here? And, and the, the angel of the Lord says, yeah, I'll wait for you. And Gideon goes and he mixes up some biscuits. He gets a, a young goat and, you know, cleans it and 
you know, does all that to prepare it. So it takes some time. And, and so the angel of the Lord's probably, I don't think he's doing this number. I mean, he's just kind of waiting. And uh, so getting us fixed this, you know, he's got a goat. He's got some biscuits. He's got a pot of broth. He brings it back to the angel of the Lord and says, okay, here you go. Here's my, my offering to you. And the angel of the Lord says, okay, put it all on the rock, pour the broth on it, and then uh, touch your tip of your sta- he touches the tip of his staff. Let's go here. It gets really good. Verse 20, uh, Judges chapter 6. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, pour out the broth. Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. That's quite an experience. Verse 22, Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord. He exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it stands in Ophrah of the Abizrites. Abizer means my God is help. My father helps. So this first worship scene, we see the presence of God brings peace. The presence of God brings peace. God is with you. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He brings this gift. He's scared to die. He says, you don't need to die. Peace. And then he builds this altar and said, the Lord is peace. So if you're in one of those moments, remember that the presence of God brings peace. We like to sing the song about Emmanuel at Christmas time. And Jesus, when they said you were to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us. From Matthew 1, 23, it's fulfilling the prophecy from Isaiah 7, 14. Hudson Taylor, great missionary to China. I'm pretty sure our kids are learning about that in God Squad on Wednesday nights. He said, all of God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. So can I just remind ourselves, can we just remind ourselves that God is with us? That his presence brings peace. And when we recognize that, we're going to bring a gift, is what Gideon does. He recognizes this is someone special, brings him a gift. That's the first worship scene. Our next worship scene starts out in the next verse. Judges chapter 6, verse 25. Judges 6, 25. So, um, 25. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take a second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on, on the top of, its height, of this height, using the wood from the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So he's following after God, but there's a problem. Your dad's got this cult in, front, in his front yard to false gods. How are you going to go do that to your dad's property? It'd be a little scary. And he says that he goes under the cover of darkness because he's afraid of the townspeople, the Midianites too. And so he gets ten servants. Now remember, Gideon says, I'm the weakest in my family and our clan is the weakest. Are you so sure if you've got 10 servants, Gideon, that you're that weak that you think you are? 
Just saying. So he brings ten servants with them, cuts down all this wood, the, the false idols, and he builds this new altar at night. So he's got some craftsman skills, or at least he's got some guys that can help him. So they build this, this altar to, to the true God. Verse 28, in the morning when the people got up, there was Baal's altar demolished. So Gideon living up to his name, hacker, hacking all that stuff down. There was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it, cut down. Second bull sacrificed on a newly built altar. Verse 29, they asked each other, who did this? They carefully investigated to find out it's Gideon, son of Joash. Verse 30, the people of the town demanded to, of Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Now, if you're Gideon, where are you at right now? You're hiding somewhere hoping they don't find you. Here's what his dad does. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal is really a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jeroboam. That day, saying, let Baal contend with him. I'm glad that his dad stuck up for him. They're like, if Baal's so good, let him take care of his own altar. Don't lay a hand on my boy. Appreciate that about him. Even though he still kind of got this false god cult there in his front yard. So in this worship scene, we see the instructions of God bring cleansing. The instructions of God bring cleansing. God says to Gideon, tear down the altars in your dad's front yard. Tear them down. Get rid of them. Those were the instructions. And he obeys and he cleans house. Reminds me of the hymn, Whiter Than Snow. Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want thee forever to live in my soul. Break down every idol. Cast out every foe. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow break down every idol cast out every foe what's in your backyard that's holding you back from jesus what's going on in your family that might be an idol that needs to be broken down when we have this moment with jesus we realize okay this stuff is not going to help me follow Jesus is God speaking to you in this moment saying there's something that needs to stop there's something that you need to clean out the instructions of God bring cleansing our third scene's longer it's the hallmark story of Gideon so just bear with me in this window the next part we see in verse 33, all the Midianites, Amalekites, other eastern peoples join forces. They cross over the Jordan. They camp in the valley of Jezreel, which is beautiful. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. The Spirit of God clothes Gideon. We see this a few times in our book of Judges. We saw it with Othniel early on. We'll see it next week with Samson. Come back, get ready for that story. And so the Holy Spirit clothes Gideon, and a lot of times they'll do mighty acts of power. And so the Holy Spirit's on Gideon, and he blows a trumpet, summoning his people to follow him. He's sending messengers. So remember this one that's a little scared. They start to gain some confidence. 
And yet he's still not so sure. He's like, okay, God, if you really want me to do this, I'm going to put this lambskin out. I'm going to put this fleece. And in the morning, can, can the fleece be all full of dew and the ground around it be dry? And God's like, okay. And that's what happens. And then the next day, he's like, God, can we just flip the script and do it the opposite? Can, can the fleece be dry? Can the, the dew be all around it on the ground? Can, just so that I make sure I know that you're with me? And God's like, okay. And so there's times where we need to discern God's will. And so that's where the, you get the phrase, putting out the fleece. Let's see if this is what God really wants us to do. It's probably okay, but I want to make sure that to discern God's will, we need to pray. We need to read his word. And we need to talk to lots of Jesus people that we love and respect, especially those who are older and wiser. I think those three things, prayer, scripture, and godly counsel, will help you discern God's will. But that's what Gideon did, and, and God was gracious enough. And then he gets, uh, God says, okay, in chapter 7, Judges chapter 7, in verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. He said, I need an underdog story here. You've got too many men. You, I cannot deliver Midian into your hands, or Israel will boast against me and say, my own strength saved me. If we have all these people, we're just going to say, yeah, we did this. He's like, you've got too many men. I want people to know that I'm the one who rescued you. Verse 3, Judges chapter 7. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave. I don't think that ever happens in the military. Anybody scared to go into battle tomorrow? Going home. You signed up for something, you ain't going home. But this is what God just said. If, if anybody's scared, just tell them to go home. There was a lot of people that were scared. 22,000 men left. There's only 10,000 people against this great swarm. And he says they were like, like locusts. He's going to describe them as their camels were as numerous as sand on the seashore. You couldn't count them all. Big odds. God says, you still have too many men. He says, take them down to the water, and I'm going to just sift them out. And the people that drink a certain way, that's who I'm going to pick. He picked 300 guys. 300 guys to go against the Midianites who had camels as numerous as the sand on the seashore. How do you like those odds? That doesn't sound very good. Gideon's still a little nervous. And so verse 9 of Judges chapter 7, During that night the Lord said to Gideon, go out, Get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. But if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. And listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura went with his servant, went down to the outposts. The Midianites, Amalekites, other eastern peoples are settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could be no more counted than the sand on the seashore. Verse 13, Judges chapter 7. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. He said, I had a dream. A round barley loaf of bread came tumbling into the Midian camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend replied, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream... And its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. As I was reading this 
verse, that's when it clicked, ding, 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 worship. Gideon's life is all about worship. Has this moment with the angel of the Lord. They bring you this gift. Tear down the idols in your dad's front yard. Here's this dream, bows down and worships God. God, you're in charge. Thank you. This picture, this worship scene reminds us of the revelation of God brings confidence. The revelation of God brings confidence. God has given Gideon a message. This time it's through a dream. God still can use dreams, very much so, but his dreams will always correspond with Scripture. So if you get a dream that doesn't correspond with Scripture, you probably had something funky to eat the night before. So God can use dreams, but he's going to also speak to, his, to us through his word. So let this be your primary means for revelation, God's word. Gideon responds with confidence, bows down and worships, you're the king, I'm not. And he says, okay, here's the game plan. 300 of us, three companies, 100 each. Every man's going to have a jar, a clay jar with a torch and a trumpet. And on my signal, we're going to break our jars and we're going to blow our trumpets. We're going to scream. And so that's how the story continues on. He goes on, verse 19, Judges chapter 7. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the night. Just as they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets, broke the jars, and were in their hands. Three companies blew the trumpets, smashed the jars, grasping their torches in their left hand and holding in their right hands the trumpets. They were to blow. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And earlier, it's like belonging to the Lord and to Gideon. And while they each held his position around, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. God wins a great victory. God's people win because of what God has done. They won a victory and they didn't have to pull a sword out of their sheath. And that's usually where our Sunday school stories ends, doesn't it, if you've been to Sunday school? And Gideon saved Israel. The end. But I told you there are four worship scenes in Gideon's life. And so the, the scene that happens at the end of chapter uh, 7 and going into chapter 8 is Gideon chases down those kings of the Midianites. Zeba and Zalmunna. Say that three times real fast. And so he's on this rampage now. And so there's got to be a t temptation you've got to heed as a leader. When you have victory, temptations will come. And so we see a change in Gideon's story in chapter, at the end of chapter 7 and, and going into chapter 8, where he goes after these two kings, and his men are exhausted from running through, and they come to uh, two different towns, say, hey, we need some help. Can you give us some food? And they're like, no, we ain't doing that. And he says to the elders, when I come back with these men, I'm going to whip you with thorns and briars. And then the next town, he asked for help. And they're like, when I come back, since you said no, we're going to tear down your tower. And so he goes and tracks down the two kings. And he comes back and says, I showed you. I got them. And guess what? Here's the, here's the thorns. Here's the briar. He starts threshing them with their, those elders of the town. And then he tears down this 
tower, and these are his own people. These aren't Midianites that he's, defend, he's ta- attacking. We just see a change happening in Gideon. Now remember I told you these stories in Judges? They're usually not happy endings, remember. And they kind of start out pretty good, and then we start seeing something going on. But the people of Israel, they're like, this Gideon's strong. He's, our, he's who we want. This is the guy. We want him. And you go to, to chapter 8, and uh, it's Gideon and these two kings, Ziba and Zalmunna. Chapter 8, verse 19, he calls this boy. He says, those two kings, kill him. And his son, it says he's a young son. He's not so sure he wants to kill anybody. He's never killed anyone before, and he doesn't draw his sword. And the two kings, they're like, won't you be man enough to kill us yourselves? As the man is, so is his strength. And so Gideon says, okay. And he steps forward and he kills those guys. That's not in our Sunday school stories, is it? And so that's at Judges 8.21. And Gideon steps forward and kills them, rips the ornaments off of their camels as a victorious plunder. And then it's Gideon and the people of Israel. And he's one tough dude. And here's what the people of Israel say to Gideon. Judges 8.22. The Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. Now, who did the saving, really? Was it Gideon or was it God? Remember the theme of Judges? In those days, Israel had no king. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Gideon, you be our king. You, your sons, your grandsons. Verse 23, but Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. That is absolutely right, Gideon. That is absolutely right. He says the right things. But there's still some question marks that we have about Gideon because you just treated some of your own people pretty harshly. Does your heart match what you're saying, Gideon? He said, I will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. I do have one request, though. Look at this, verse 24. One request. I want each of you to give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was the custom of the Ishmaelites to wear the earrings. They answered, we will be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment, and each of them threw a ring from the plunder onto it. So Gideon is like, I won't be your king. I will take some of your gold, though. In fact, let's just place a blanket right here. Every one of you, just come by and bring just one gold earring. And so do you see the people lining up, dropping the earrings, And that gets to be a mound of gold. 43 pounds of gold. I did the math this week. Today, if you had that much, $1.1 million gold. 
Gideon, he's so nice, isn't he? He just plundered his own people. I won't be the king, folks, but I will take a king's ransom. My son won't be king either. In fact, guess what? I just named one of my sons. His name, you can read about him in the next chapter. His name is Abimelech. You know what Abimelech means? My dad is king. I won't be your king. My son won't be my king. But I want you to meet my son. My dad is the king. Okay, Gideon, I've got some questions here. This isn't adding up. You're saying that you're not going to rule over us. God's the one that's going to rule over us. But it looks like you're taking the king's portion of the victor here. It looks like you're attaining some wealth, which is not what you're supposed to do. Verse 27, Judges chapter 8. Gideon made that gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. All Israelite prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Here's the fourth worship scene. It ain't a good one. Cheating on God gets you into trouble. There's other more graphic words than prostitute in that verse if you want to go there. I don't like to use it in public, but it's darker than prostitution if you get my drift. Cheating on God gets you into trouble. And as a leader, if you have victories, you better be careful because temptations come. And so you see this picture, and you shine it against the other three, they don't quite add up. You remember the first picture? The presence of the Lord brings peace. And how did Gideon respond to the Lord, the angel Lord? Let me go bring some bread and bring you a gift. But in this picture, Gideon's not giving, is he? He's taking. Each of you bring me a piece of gold. And that second story, bring me, you know, you go and, and chop down that idol in your dad's front yard. Get rid of it. Get rid of the idols. I'll take your gold and let me make it into an idol. It was a special gold shirt. I have no idea what the thing was. Some people think it was like a priestly garment for worship. But whatever it was, it became a snare to Gideon and his family. It became an idol. Earlier, he's tearing down the idols. Now, he's right back where he started, even in the same place. And remember that... Dream, the barley loaf, tumbling down the tents of Midian. He gets down on his knees and worships God. But now he is standing upright, pile of gold at his feet. Who really is the king in Gideon's life? Here's what I came today to say. The battles of life are won or lost by who we worship. If you're going to worship God, it's going to, you know, life will be hard, but in the end, victory comes. But if you worship self, if you place yourself in Gideon's shoes there in that moment, it's not going to turn out too well. Thorns for your family. Now, there is some postscripts there that said that in the land had peace for 40 years, and there's some even pictures. You got, this is what's crazy. You go to Hebrews chapter 11, and there's this list of faithful people. 
list of faithful people, Abraham and Moses and Noah and Abel. And you get to this season, this, the series of the judges, and guess who's listed first in that list? Gideon. Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Those guys are all rascals. And so if God can use those guys, then there might just be hope for us. That he can use us. And all these pictures of the judges, they point to someone else who's going to come that can really do the job. These all were failed saviors until Jesus comes, the true savior, the true king, who was able to face the temptations with the evil one and win. The battles of life are won or lost by who we worship. Let's pray. Jesus, we say thank you for this moment in your word. I want to pray that you would guide us. Lord, I pray that we would worship you this day. Help us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are the King, and we are your followers. Help us. Amen.